I'm thankful tonight for the privilege to pray. Thank the Lord we can come together. I've always said, and I'll say again tonight, there's something I'm grateful for, the privilege to pray at home, pray by ourselves, pray going down the road. I'm glad we serve a God that's accessible all places and all times and all needs we can take to Him. But there is something special in gathering together in the altar with the people of God and praying together and agreeing together, and I'm thankful for the privilege to do so in the house of God this evening. Psalm 126, if you have a copy of the Word of God this evening and want to turn along with us, Psalm 126. I want to read some verses here that the Lord's laid on my heart. Try our best to be obedient to Him, mindful of His leadership. you'd pray for us tonight that the Lord would help us. Psalm 126, when you found your place, if you're able, willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Psalm 126, a short uh, psalm here in the the book, a psalm of uh, degrees is what the heading over it is. Of course, we know that The children of Israel would sing these as they were going up to Jerusalem to worship. I'll read the first three verses. Psalm 126 and verse 1, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested tonight by the help of God for just a few minutes on this statement here that's actually made twice, once in verse number 2 and again in verse number 3, about the Lord hath done great things. That's what's on my heart. The Lord hath done great things. Now, there's a, a lot of debate about when this psalm was written and about what this psalm was written about. There is an agreement about, of course, that it being deliverance, but there's some unusual language that's used in this psalm. The Bible said in verse number one, when the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion. Now that's not a term that's often used most of the time when we read about the children of Israel going into captivity Then it's said about it being the children of Israel or about Jerusalem or about Judah or about Syria or one of those places. It's never ever really mentioned about Zion going into captivity. Matter of fact, the majority of times in the Word of God that we read about the place Zion, it always is associated with the place where the Lord dwells or the place of worship that goes on in the house of God. Of course, we know that Zion was a part of the Temple Mount that was inside 
of the city of Jerusalem. There's another a psalm that mentions uh, the place Zion. It talks about how beautiful uh, for situation the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And it's not talking about any king or about some uh, human ruler or a man that was in power, but it's talking about God and about the place where uh, the temple would have been situated and the people of God uh, would go up to the place of Zion or the place of the temple there to worship. That's where God told Solomon that he would put his name there and dwell there and meet with his people. He said every prayer that's directed toward this place I will hear and I'll be glad it'll be my joy to dwell here among my people. And so Zion is always associated with the worship of God. Most of the time when we read about Zion, it's a joyous occasion. It's a place where the people are enjoyed and they're overflowing with peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction and wonder about what their God has done for them. It's always associated with the worship of the people of God. But here in the scripture, it's speaks about Zion being in captivity. Now as I read it, as the Lord was directing my heart and one old writer from the 1800s said that he believed that it was a spirit of captivity that had come among the people of God in their worship. That something had affected their joy. That something had affected their worship. They had not been led off to a foreign land. It's not a Babylonian Captivity. We'll read about that uh, several chapters later in uh, Psalm 137 when they hang uh, their harps on the willow and, and they sat down by the rivers of Babylon and wept. And so that's not what's being recorded here. Uh, but the writer said, could it be uh, that it was not that they had been physically picked up and carried off to some foreign land and put in bondage, but a spirit of captivity had come in among the people of God uh, that a dark cloud and hovered low over the sanctuary, over the temple, maybe because of their sin. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they feel as though spiritually they're in captivity. I thought about how fitting of a day that we're living in where it seems like the people of God are living in spiritual captivity. Uh, that we're bound up by circumstances and we're bound up, many people are. And uh, it would be foolish of us not to say uh, that many of the people of God are bound by sin. Uh, sin has come in the camp, wrongdoing among the people of God. It's grieved uh, the Spirit of God. The Bible said we're not to grieve uh, the Spirit of God where we're sealed, uh, but we've grieved Him in these days. Uh, we've offended Him, we've hurt His feelings, uh, and He's withdrew a pace from us. Uh, not that he's left us, not that he's abandoned us, but his spirit, his power, his manifested presence has withdrawn a bit from us and it's placed us in this spirit of oppression and captivity among the people of God. And whatever reason brought this on, they must have felt like it would never, ever be the same again. That nothing would ever change that they would never be back to the place. Oh, we read about it over in the book of Nehemiah 
when the gates were broken down and burned with fire and the walls were torn down that they walked by and said, is this Jerusalem? Is this the place? Is this the habitation of God? Is this the joy of the whole earth? Is this the land? And it seemed like even though the walls were still standing and the gates were still on their hinges that something had affected their spirit and they wondered if it would ever be the same again. But then one day, and I know that we're living in days where, and I know we cannot live in the past. We, God's not expecting us to live in the past. We don't have to live tonight on what God did for mom and daddy or grandma and grandpa. God's not expecting that of us. God's not expecting his people to live their entire Christian existence looking back on what used to be, but to look ahead at what is now and what is to be in the days ahead. And it seemed like they looked around and thought, will it ever, ever be like it used to be again? And I know in these days that many of the people of God are wondering the same thing. Will it ever be like it used to be? Many of the older people of God and those who have lived long enough to see the power of God and the glory of God and the working of God and the manifestation of God, sinners being saved and the saints being revived and the shouts in the church house and the true worship of the people of God look around in our day and this spirit of oppression and this spirit of captivity has come upon the church and upon the people of God and many people are wondering if it will ever be the same again. But there did come a day I don't know what happened. I don't know what brought on the the spirit of oppression. I don't know what brought on the spirit of captivity. I don't know what put Zion in captivity. But I know what turned it. It was the Lord. I don't know what caused him to turn it. I don't know if the people of God got together and did as they did in Nehemiah's day. Nehemiah sat down and he wept in the morning and he fasted and he prayed and he didn't blame everybody else. He said, it's me and my father's house. We've sinned. We're to blame. Let the blame start with me, God. Let me get right. Whether anybody else gets right, I don't know. It's not recorded for us. But something happened and the Bible said the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion and they were so much in disbelief they were so much convinced that it would never ever be the same that they would always live in this shape and always live in this spirit they said when he did do it we were like them that dreamed they said it was like a fairy tale to us. It was like a figment of our imagination. We were so convinced it would be like this the rest of our days. But God did a work and He made it right again. And He worked it again. And we worshiped again. And He showed up again. And I'm telling you, these days, it may seem like a figment of our imagination. It may seem like a far off thing. But I'm glad tonight to know that I serve a God that can make it all right again. He can change it all up again. He can manifest in power again. He can save sinners again. And when it's all said and done, they left out of Jerusalem singing everybody around them. The Lord had done great things for us. The writer said them was our mouth filled with laughter. Ain't that something? I was reading. Now I don't remember. It was way back yonder. I didn't even recognize the man's name. But he wrote something in there. In that book I was reading. And he said the recipe to life in your spirit again. 
He said, number one, get locked up in prison. That's where they were. It, it, you don't have to be physically in prison. And they weren't, as far as I can tell, physically in prison, but they were spiritually in prison. Something had them bound. They felt like they were in captivity. And so the writer said had the recipe for how to laugh in the spirit again. Oh, they had laughed in the spirit before. Oh, they had worshipped God before. Oh, but now they had been locked in prison. Oh, but he said step number two was to hear the keys jingle on the bell of God as he picked it up and put the key in the cell and to hear the cell door lock and hear the hinges swing open and to feel the hand of God and reach down in the cell where you are and pick you up out of your bonds and chains and set you up on your feet again and walk you out of the cell and down the hall of the prison up to the king's palace up to the throne and put you in front of the king. He said that's how and to rejoice again and that's how and to laugh in the spirit again. I'm telling you we've sat too long in the cell of our sin and we've sat too long in the cell of our depression and we've sat too long in the cell of disbelief but I'm glad to serve a God that's got the key on his belt and open the door and let us have and give us a joy in our heart again they said we was like them that dream our mouth was filled with laughter they said we haven't felt like this in a long time thought maybe we'd never feel like this again they said our mouth was filled with singing. They said we got to acting like we hadn't acted in a long time. And they said we got to acting so that everybody in the world got to looking. And they said we don't know what's happened. But the Lord has done great things for them. There was such a change in their demeanor. Such a change in their atmosphere. Such a change in their attitude. Such a change in their outlook. That the world, the heathens, what the Bible said, those that didn't even know God had enough knowledge about them to say the Lord has done great things for them. And when they heard the heathens say that, they echoed back, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we're glad. In other words... What that verse really means in our terminology is the reason we're acting the way we're acting. It's because the Lord has done great things for us. And the reason we're carrying on the way we're carrying on is because God has done great things for us. And now I'm telling you, I look around in these days and say the Lord has done great things for us. But now I'm not talking about now we can say about what is in this text here. It's not that the Lord gave them a good house to live in or a nice car to drive or money in the bank and the Lord's done all that for us and we ought to thank God for it but that's not great things them's good things but there's some great things and the word great it means it has several meanings it means astounding it means of great importance but one definition that really caught my heart and I felt like I need to share with you tonight it means beyond creation's ability in other words they said the Lord did something for us we couldn't do for ourselves they were enough money in the bank to buy us out of the shape we was in. There wasn't enough good deeds we could do to get us out of the shape we was in. There wasn't enough things we could buster up to get us out of captivity. But our God has done great things for us. He's done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I look all through the scripture. I begin to ponder on it. The Lord began to deal with my heart about great things. The Lord has done great things.
And there's a lot of things in the Word of God that it says He's done great things. It talks about a great salvation. Boy, I'm glad I'm saved with a great salvation. Now there's a whole lot of people that are banking on a salvation that they've done themselves. They're banking on a prayer. They're banking on deeds. They're banking on membership. They're banking on baptism. They're banking on good works. They're banking on money in the plate. They're banking on faithfulness. They're banking on this. And they're banking on that. And it all has something to do with what they did. But I'm telling you, the book of Hebrews said, we've got a great salvation. One that has nothing to do with what I've done and everything to do with what He did. And so because of my great salvation, I can say tonight, the Lord's done great things for me and it makes me glad on the inside. I thought about here we are. Just got uh, past the Christmas season kind of still in it. I guess a lot of people's minds are still there. And I thought about over yonder in Luke chapter 2. It's probably read most uh, uh, on Christmas Day than it's ever read all year long. Uh, but them angels appeared to the shepherds out yonder in the field. They said, we bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Uh, they said, you're fixing experience of joy uh, that you can't muster up in yourself. And by the way, you can't muster up joy. Uh, you can Manufacture happiness, you manufacture satisfaction for a period of time, but all that's circumstantial. But I'm telling you about a God, if you ever get saved with a great salvation, He'll put a great joy inside of you. It won't matter if the earthquakes are coming and the rocks are written and the mountains are falling and everything in your life's falling to pieces. There's a joy inside that's full of glory. There's a joy inside that cannot be explained because it wasn't put there by a man. It ain't about what we we can muster up, but it's about what he can do that we can't do. They said, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I'm glad for joy. Thank God. But then we live our lives sometimes and we get storms and troubles and all these things come in our life. I thought about over yonder in the Gospel of Matthew when they're in the boat with him and they're afraid because the storms come. And they go to him in the hinder part of the ship and they awake him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And the Bible said he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and they ceased from their raging and there was a great calm. We was in the truck tonight on the way to church. And I turned on the song. It's in the red back book. We sing it every now and again. And the writer said, Sometimes when misgivings darken the way, in the face of light I cannot see, I ask my dear Lord to brighten the way. And He whispers sweet peace to me. I'm going to tell you, I'm glad there's a calm, there's a peace, there's a, a, a feeling on the inside. 
I can't explain it. But if you're saved and you've ever been in trouble and you've ever been in the storm and He stepped out on the bow of your ship and He spoke peace to the winds and the waves and there's a great calm in you, you understand what I'm talking about and that no matter how bad the storm, there's a great calm, a calm we can't manufacture. Them disciples weren't doing anything for each other. They're trying to bail the water out and they're coming in faster than they can get it out. They're trying to do everything they knew to do. I mean, most of them were fishermen. They ought to know what to do. But every Everything they was doing wasn't doing any good. You ever feel like that in your life? Hey, you try to do right and live right and go right, but everything you do don't mean, seem to be doing any good. But all of a sudden, somebody steps out of the shadows of the darkness of your life and he says, peace be still. And all that work you did, that didn't do any good. All of a sudden, he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And there's a great calm come inside you. I'm glad to know it ain't you. I'm glad for that. And there's a lot of other things. I just try, I had a bunch of them wrote down. I'm just trying to preach them if the Lord will give them to me. Old Apostle Paul talked about a great light. I'm glad there's a great light. And it wasn't the light of the preacher and it wasn't the light of the church and it wasn't the light of the Christians and it wasn't the light of the work and it wasn't the light of it was the light of God. A great light. Brighter than the noonday sun, he said. Shown round about him. I'm glad for the great light. The book of Hebrews said he's a great high priest. He does what... See, all them other high priests, they could just go so far, make their own sacrifices. The blood of goats and calves, it's not possible that they should take away sin. But it said, but this man, when he had entered in once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us by his own blood... He was a great high priest. He did what no other priest could do. And then I thought, and I'm done tonight. I thought about what old Peter said. He said, by Christ are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. I'm telling you, he's coming one day after a while. We have that promise. And it doesn't matter. I understand we look around in these days and the world's getting worse and worse. Seems like all of technology and all of science and all the political agenda is aimed against God and against the things of God. But they can work against God all they want to. They'll not stop Him. I thought about when they arrested the apostles over there and they talked with Gamaliel. He said, what are you going to do, boys? He said... You can't fight against it if it's of God. He said, now if it's a men, leave it alone. It'll run its course. He said, there have been many others before them. And they had great multitudes of followings, but they all fizzled out. He said, but if this thing's of God, you can't overthrow it. He said, lest you be found fighting against God. And I'm going to tell you, I know it may get bad. And according to this book right here, it's going to. But I'm telling you, all the demons of hell can fight and the wickedness of the world can wage. But I'm telling you, they can't overthrow God. And there's a great promise given unto us that we shall see Him as He is. 
If you're saved, he's coming after you one day. After a while, we're going to get out of this place. We're going to lay this vile body aside. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. You say, what are we going to say all through eternity? I don't know what all we're going to say and worship and praise over yonder, but I'm inclined to believe after the way God's worked in my heart today that part of it will probably be the Lord has done great things for us whereof we're glad. I'm glad in these days of spiritual oppression and spiritual captivity, I'm glad I serve a God that can give us joy again, that can turn again the captivity of Zion, that can make His people, that's what the Scriptures say, will that not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. That's what went on in Zion. They had revival. And I'm telling you, it's a possibility even in our day. I know 2023 is coming to a close. 2024 is around the corner. Everybody's biting their fingernails in the quick, wondering and worrying about what's going to go on in November and where the country's going to be. And I know everybody, we probably ought to have a mindset about that at least to some extent. We live here, we ought to care about it. But I'm telling you, it does none of that is going to bring the captivity of Zion back from where it used to be. But I serve a God. I thought about on the way to church tonight, it come to my heart and it come back to my heart again. I grew up in a church and played with a quartet and they sung. And they always sung a song. I can hear Sister Annie singing it now. And the song said, I can't make a world and hold it in my hands. I can't make the lightning flash across the land. And I can't name the stars or count the grains of sand. Oh, but I have a Father who can. And I look around in these days and everybody's wanting this to fix it and that to fix it, and it can't fix it. But I'm telling you, I know a God who can fix it all. He can fix church trouble. He can fix marriage trouble. He can fix home trouble. He can fix financial trouble. He can fix physical trouble. He can fix spiritual trouble. He can fix mental trouble, emotional trouble, whatever trouble there is. He's the fixer. And He can. And I'm longing for the day. I've been a-praying and I'm not much. I know that. But I've been asking the Lord to do something in our little church. And I don't know what all it's going to take for Him to do it. But I'm longing for the day when we walk through the door and it's that day when He turns again the captivity of Zion. And we get beside ourselves, don't even know what's going on. Just be like one of them that dream. Our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And we leave out of the house of God saying, the Lord has done great things for us whereof we're glad. We're glad. And I'm glad He's done great things before. And he can do great things again. And I'm expecting him to because I know he can. And he wants to worse than we want him to. And I'm expecting him to and looking for him to and asking him to. And I hope you are too. Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight for this privilege, the opportunity to be in your house. I thank you, Lord, tonight that I'm saved, that I'm a part of the family of God.